turn with me please to John chapter 15. That's on page 764. It's 764. I'm going to take a look at the first eight verses today. This wonderful section of John's writing. You'll notice straight away the imagery of the vine that we've been talking about. And repeated reference to remain in him or to abide, some versions say, in him. So from verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So you can't miss that theme, remain. And we're thinking about that simply, remain in Jesus, stick with him. We've been talking already about some of that, our national symbols and, and what they mean and the harp here in Ireland and other nations that we were chatting about. And in Old Testament Israel, it was often symbolized as this grapevine, a vineyard. But the problem was that the, the grapes went bad and the plant grew wild and the connection between God and, as the vine keeper and Israel as the vine was broken. So as, nations, as nation symbols go, it was a lot more about what they were not like than what they, they were like. And it was about what they failed to be more than anything. And that metaphor was, was very familiar in Jesus' time and meaningful. It would have been well known and well understood. And so when Jesus says here, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener, there wasn't anything random about that. And of course, it was a lot more meaningful than some Irish person saying, I am the true harp. That would be a bit weird. But it's a metaphor, and Jesus is saying, I'm realizing all that this symbol, metaphor, was, was about. I am the true Israel. And what he means when he's saying that is that I am all that you fail to be. And in me, you can be all you need to be. You can be meaningful, connect, meaningfully connected to, to God in me and live a purposeful life. And... That would have rested on them as something profoundly intriguing and attractive. 
Don't we all feel like in some way we are, we are failures, disconnected and needing to address those fundamental issues in a very disconnected world and grasping for purpose? And Jesus is saying, I am the one through whom all these things are realized. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Now, this is part of what is described as a farewell discourse, a farewell conversation Jesus is having with his followers. He is preparing them for his departure, which is soon coming, for his death. He's told them repeatedly that he will lay down his life for them, for all their failure, and he will return to life and return to the Father. And they are stepping now into the unknown and Jesus wants what he has to say at this point to stick with them, to equip them, and to shape them as they interpret their changing circumstances and go forward without him physically being there. And he uses this iconic metaphor, but he, he swaps it up, or rather he, he shows how it really works and will work. Abide in me, Jesus says. Remain in me. Stick with me. I mean, what is it you think Christianity is about? What do you think those around you would say Christianity is about? Institutions or, or power or control, all those types of words. What if I were to say it's about transformative dependence? Maybe you don't want to be dependent on anyone or anything. But in truth, we depend upon all sorts of circumstantial things and all sorts of people all of the time. And our lives have a habit of showing us just how fragile that sense of independence actually is in practice. Jesus is leaving, yet he tells them, stick with me. Depend on me. Steer all of that need for dependence in my direction. My father is the gardener. I am the true vine. Verse 2, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So Jesus is the vine in the metaphor. The father is the vine dresser or the gardener. And the disciples then and today are depicted as branches growing from this vine. And so they are dependent on the vine. Like a flower is dependent on the stem. If you cut it off, it will die. He's saying you are dependent. And so Jesus keeps repeating that same uh, point right through this section. Remain in me. Abide in me. Stick with me. You're dependent on me. Now why be positive about dependence? You know, isn't Christianity criticized as being a crutch? You're only a Christian because it's a crutch. You know, you can't handle the realities of, of life. And it's seen as something we need to reach out for. And, and it's something that's needy. Well, this morning when I came here, the first thing I did was clean up the vomit and human feces and broken glass at our door. The morning after... The night before. And dependence isn't being expressed in our city. Dependence is being expressed 
everywhere you go, and a lot of that dependence has been expressed in really profoundly destructive ways. Alcohol abuse, drugs, sleeping around. Is that not a crutch? It's a very bad one. Where, where else do we see this dependence? It's everywhere, actually. You listen to the radio or go on to your social media feeds. Dependence is oozing out of our culture. Jesus is saying, if you want to have a life-giving dependence, come to me. There is great liberty in the dependence that Jesus brings. It's freeing. And what's wonderfully liberating about it is Christianity is not dependent on you. It's not dependent on you. It's about you being dependent upon Jesus. And that brings liberty and freedom and joy and life and vitality and fruitfulness And doesn't leave you feeling (laughs) laden with regret the morning after, the night before. Doesn't work like that. It brings liberty. That's where vitality in life is truly found, where connection with God is found and flourishes. And to be away from Jesus is to be away from God altogether. Move away from your dependence on him and you prove yourself to be a stick and not a branch. You lose life and vibrancy. Now that causes great unease. What's said in verse 2 about the branch being cut off. And also in verse 6 you notice it says, If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. And there's no, there's no dulling down of that striking warning. But throughout the book, of John, we find so-called believers who prove actually to not be believers at all. We find disciples, so-called, who prove to not actually be disciples at all. Many respond to Jesus very well at first, but then he says something they don't like and they leave. Right through the gospel we have seen this. They don't stick with him. They don't depend on him. They don't abide. They leave. And the immediate context here is, of course, Judas, who has just left to betray Jesus. None of the others suspected him, by the way. Thus, Judas proved himself to not be true. He left. He proved himself to be false. And what Jesus is saying here is, Do not go down that road. Stick with me. And we also find, of course, repeated assurance from Jesus right throughout the gospel that his true followers do exactly that. His true followers do stick with him. The 11 stuck with him. And he is with them. And he says they can and never will be cast out. I know my sheep. They know me. They know my voice. But that reassurance is not meant to excuse spiritual indifference or apathy or complacency, but rather to spark deeper conviction and practice and a deeper desire to express what remaining in Jesus means in your everyday. 
Now you'll have questions about that perhaps or others in your life who maybe are not apparently Christian anymore. But what is the call in every category of person, whether that's you or those you've known, it's the same thing. Remain in Jesus. Stick with me. Abide. Stick with Jesus. That's what he repeatedly says in this section. That abiding is about dependence, not perfection. And that dependence is life-giving, but it's often painful and difficult. This pruning that goes on, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, verse 2. That's difficult. We're told Christianity is a crutch because you can't handle the harsh realities of life. You can't accept things like disappointment and and hurt and, and death and pain. But what if it gives you the means of finding something deeper that enables you to navigate that pain, not spiritualize it away, not pretending it isn't hard, but to lean into it as something purposeful that's not just cruel misfortune or circumstantial problems. Abiding results in fruitfulness, growing more like Jesus, moving towards the will of the Father and the specifics of the everyday. But that pruning, that fruitfulness rather, requires pruning and it invites further pruning. So when you're fruitful, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And when you're even more fruitful, it invites more what? More pruning. Alina's experience that she was sharing with us earlier around singleness, hardship of of many kinds that flow in and out of our lives, regardless of our relational status. And how do we normally approach God in those times? Maybe if you're not interested in God, you end up shouting at him and saying, well, this is exactly why I don't believe in you, because you haven't given me whatever, or you brought this into my life, blaming him. Or when we do have some sense of relationship with God, when we go through these experiences, the kinds of things we tend to say naturally is, help me, stop this, give me, take away from me. And those things have a place. But what if we asked, how is this experience deepening my dependence upon Jesus? What is it, Lord, you're trying to reveal in me about my desire to be independent of the good dependence I ought to have on Christ? What are you growing in me? Where is this changing me? How is this richer than the thing I want or don't want? What has been taken away from me or not given to me that actually is for my flourishing, my fruitfulness, my good? Now, there's so many kinds of ways we're going to respond. We might, say, we might not actually have a clue how to answer what that pruning is because we're in the haze of an experience. And you might not be able to answer that. It might, it might take time. Or you might want to say, look, Father, I can see pruning going on, but look, don't prune me back so hard that I die. You know, give me a, cut me a bit of slack here. I think that's okay too. Maybe you can't 
answer it, but maybe if you, you think, I don't know what's going on, I feel okay, everything's fine. Well, might you be bold enough to say, Lord, why don't you bring some pruning into my life so that I might see some profound fruitfulness in my experience? I've lost focus in my vitality and in my relationship with you. I want to invite some of your pruning into my experience to, to kickstart some fruitfulness in my life, or maybe I've lacked it. Would not be a bold thing to pray. Work in my life, revitalize me, deepen my dependence, show me what abiding means, show me what sticking with you means at this time. Now I know many of you have come here to get away from an old way of life. You've come from different countries. You've come from experiences that you wanted to leave behind you. Many of you have come from another city and culture. You've left everything behind. Moving to another city. Moving away from family. Away from friends. Away from all familiarity. Away from your, your language. Everything you've known. And that is extremely isolating and testing. You're here in Emmanuel in this season. And that may be purposefully difficult. A pruning experience to revitalize you, to prune you, to make you fruitful. You will see things about yourself and about God and about the work of his spirit here that you have never experienced in your life before. Because you're exposed. And that's part of what makes our community rich is that we are here together to come alongside you in that it's a great opportunity because you will experience the work of the Spirit here in ways which you have not yet before. And you will realize your dependence, dependence, like never before. And that will be for your good. Doesn't mean it won't be painful. It's painful, but it's not pointless. And rather than being proof that God has abandoned you, stuck here in Dublin, <laughs> far away from everything you've ever known, it could be that the hand of God is more up close and personal pruning you than it's been up till now to bring about growth in your life with Jesus that you never thought possible before. And for those of us who are long settled here, where do you see that pruning at work now? How would you answer the question to share as Alina did? What would you, what would you say? Where, where do you see that happening in your experience? It's no good to cite something from five years ago. You know, the father is not an occasional pruner. It's not like a hobby. He has on a Saturday or something. <laughs> Do you know? Metaphor, he's the vine dresser. Not, you know, he, it's not a part-time role. He, he's not bivocational in the metaphor. So where have you perhaps become indifferent? Where are you making compromises? Where are you straying into coldness of heart or plain unhealthy outright disobedience? to what you know in your gut is wrong, as revealed in the scriptures. If repentance is only coming to the surface in your life, through what you find here on our overhead on a Sunday morning, you should ask for greater sensitivity to what Jesus has for you. Repentance ought to be a constant thing as you experience this pruning and as you grow and as you develop fruit. And so abide in Jesus. Stick with him. 
The intention of these words from Jesus is to bring reassurance, warning yes, and therefore as a whole to mobilize you to continue with him and to mobilize his confused and still inexperienced followers here. For he says in verse 3, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. You're already pruned, he says. You're already healthy, fruit-bearing, abide in me. That's because of what Jesus has done and will do for them in his death and in the sending of his spirit. It's because of his giving of himself and his departure, his being lifted up, will clean them. They're already clean because of him. That dependence So stick with me, Jesus says. Abide, stay loyal, no matter what comes from the inside or from the outside. And he says to them, verse 4, No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You can't go it alone. You can't know God the Father and be transformed and changed by yourself, by your own power and self-discipline. You've got to remain with Jesus, abide with him, stick with him. And he keeps reiterating the same point. Might that be because we're slow to take it in? And we like our independence. We like to be in control. We like to set the terms. And we like to think of Jesus being here when and if we need him. But we'll sort it out in the meantime. Or we'll, we'll, take, up the, we'll take up the rest, thanks. And if we can't handle something, then we'll come. But it's a constant call. Remain. I am the true vine, Jesus says, verse 5. You are the branches. If a man, if a person remains in me and I in him and them, they will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And nothing in that ultimate sense. How will you be fruitful? Change. Find purposeful Meaning in life, go forward with God by remaining in Jesus, by depending on him. You can do nothing apart from him towards that end. And how are we going to go forward as a church here in Emmanuel? Apart from him, we can do nothing. We have had a pruning experience of our own through the pandemic. We're weaker. We are struggling to reboot, to reignite, to to learn from this pruning experience in many respects that we've experienced and are experiencing, that that I'm experiencing. How do we go forward in that weakened state? Well, I, I I think you know what I'm going to say by now this morning. Stick with Jesus. Remain in him. You know, there, there's no, there's no, Magic formula or no sort of set of things that we can buy in or do. It is to stick with him and work it out from there. And to see that without him we can do nothing, nothing, nothing. And so we're asking, what is God's pruning doing here among us as individuals and as a church? And and where do we see the good of it? Verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Disciples were made clean by his word. He instructs them now to remain with him, his word, to stick with it. And then he gives them this wonderful promise 
of how you ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. One flows from the other. It maybe sounds a bit like the genie in the bottle kind of thing. Three wishes, you know. We'd like God to be like that a lot of the time. Start with a, a lottery win, Lord, please. That wouldn't go amiss. Then when I've got all that stuff sorted out, I'll maybe think about what else I can do from there. But the asking here is informed by the abiding. The wishes are shaped by the word. They are shaped by the Jesus way. The, the cross-shaped, sacrificial, not my will, but yours be done, Lord, way. It's asking that soaked in the word. Wishes and desires coming from the words of Jesus will be granted. That's how things flow in verse 8. This is the Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Answers which are for the Father's glory. The fruitfulness is not an end in itself. The Father's glory is. Answers which reveal his brilliance and his goodness. Answers which show fruit in our lives, revealing him to be good and mighty and wonderful. And proves in the process that we really are his disciples. And it's important to understand the distinction. Remaining in the vine, in Jesus, that's not what makes you a true disciple. It's what shows you are a true disciple. And that itself is a result of what Jesus has done. And your dependence on him. And that is the call to all of us today. To show ourselves to be his disciples. These words are given in this metaphor because they're meant to stick with you. You know, metaphors, they are there so that you have to let them lodge in your mind, in your heart, in your thinking. And what does that look like in this circumstance and in this season in my life? What's this look like on Monday morning? What's this look like for my desires, my repentance, my relationship with Jesus? And so open his word and be willing to ask for that pruning to get to work in your life. When our asks and wishes are driven by this word, we are sure that he will answer. So take these words and use them to inform what you're praying for. Pray what's on your heart. Pray with, with tears and, and, and with laughter and with honesty. And pray that you will know what this fruitfulness means, even if the answer that comes down from your experience is no. Where could the growth be in that? So carry this theme forward. Carry this theme on into your everyday. And as we think about going forward as, as a church and think about praying together, we haven't had prayer meetings in that formal sense in a while. But next Sunday, Lord willing, we're having prayer and pancakes here at 9 a.m. So join us as we seek to pray together and invites these words of promise into our own personal experience and for us as a church. Our national symbol, of course, in Ireland is still the harp. But the image of the vine in the Old Testament was fulfilled in Jesus. And the symbol now, as Owen, I think, said, is, is the cross, the symbol of Christianity. And it reveals our dependence like nothing else. Could. The Father is not glorified by you or by me or by us as a church or, or by anybody thinking.
that we need Jesus less. So remain in Jesus. Stick with him. Let's pray. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a person remains in me and I in them, they will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. May we come to you, Lord Jesus, in that dependence. We pray that the pruning we experience would prove fruitful as you promised. We pray that it would draw us deeper into your desire for us. We pray, Lord, even where that is painful, that we may turn to you. We pray where we've gotten indifferent or feeling that we have lost some vitality, that you would bring that pruning to us fresh and revitalize us, that we may bear fruit and bear more fruit grow in our knowledge, grow in our dependence, grow in our fruitfulness to help us to work out what that means in our everyday. And we invite the work of your spirits purposefully to, towards that very end. In Jesus' name.